0: The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of The Sea Before Us by Sarah Sundin. Sarah and I had a fun chat about The Sea Before Us, how she found time early on to write her first book in between carting her kids to school and karate classes, and how important it is for established authors to mentor and help newer authors on their writing journeys. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by following at RealVixen. Stay tuned. My interview with Sarah Sundin is up next. Um, well, first, uh, Sarah, if you can, if um, just give our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Just uh, introduce yourself to us.
1: Sure. My name is Sarah Sundin, and I live in Northern California with my husband. We have three grown children. We are now empty nesters. Oh, wow. And. Yeah, I know. It's been interesting making the transition. Um, we I've been writing historical fiction set during World War II, and I have um, ten novels that are now published. Wow. Yeah.
0: When you wrote your first novel, did you ever imagine that you would get to number ten?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And the funny thing is, my first two novels have never been published and never should be published. They were bad.
0: Oh, no, I doubt that.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, they are. But they taught me really important lessons about writing and about myself, about um, what I could do and what I couldn't do. And. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change those for the world but I, I never want them to be published either <laughs>
0: <laughs> So you have been, um, so your first book was published in 2010 um, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, like what made you decide that writing was what you wanted to do especially having to balance kiddos and, and everything at that time.
1: Oh yeah I started in 2010, or actually started writing in 2000 and my kids at the time were 1, 4 and 7 so oh, wow. I still had diapers and preschool and all that and I literally had a dream I woke up one morning and I had a dream that I knew was a book and this has never happened to me before never I'm a pharmacist I studied chemistry <laughs> in college I didn't major in English and I had to write this novel and it was you know, almost an obsession so I wrote during nap time and I wrote when my daughter was practicing soccer when my son was doing karate and basically little bits whenever I could and you know finished that novel and immediately wrote another one um so it was a very I had a very strange way of getting started in writing Mm -hmm. but I just I couldn't the stories took over and I had to write them
0: that's so and that's so interesting too considering that you you know you don't have like a writing background did you have to take any uh did you find yourself having to take any classes or anything or did you just kind of do if I just keep practicing I'll get better at it
1: conferences were the big thing Mm -hmm. fortunately um it was funny. My mother um, was bowling. at the, Actually, still, she still bowls, but she was at the bowling alley, and I just started writing. Maybe three months I've been writing, and she was bragging about her daughter, the writer, at the bowling alley. Like, oh, no, 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 Mom, please don't. It well, was sweet, though. It was really sweet. But anyway, the lady on the other team, one of her friends, is Kathy Collard Miller, who is a multi-published author. Um, she writes nonfiction, but she said give her my phone number, Oh, so yeah. which is just like, this, I mean, having been contacted by newbie authors now as a published author, I see how big that was for her to do that. Mm-hmm. And so she probably spent an hour on the phone with me, talking me through it, and she just kept saying, go to conferences, go to conferences. So I, you know, worked up the courage and went to start going to conferences and started reading books about the craft of writing. And soaked it all in as fast as I could that's amazing uh, I've, I've always been good at writing I was you know, <laughs> the A student in English and I, I, test, I, I ironically I tested out of English in college and I was really excited about it <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably because you were going to be bored so, writing like term papers and stuff
1: <laughs> oh I know I hated that but I love writing novels <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. absolutely you have more control and more freedom that way
1: exactly <laughs> I just let the story take over
0: so, historical fiction in World War II at such a specific um time period, what was it about that time period that was so fascinating to you that you wanted to tell these stories?
1: I've always been drawn to the era. My grandfather was a pharmacist's mate in the Navy, which is a medic, and he was a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up hearing his stories. And my other grandfather, he was um he wasn't allowed to serve because of a heart condition. But he was a professor of German, and he helped train spies to go into yeah. Germany. So that was neat. And then my great uncle was a B-17 bomber pilot, and he had great stories. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up hearing these stories. My dad is a history buff. He always had a world War two-movie playing on TV. I thought they were really boring at the time. I think (laughs) they'd in. So I've just always been drawn to that era. My grandmothers would tell me about life on the home front. and I just think it's such an interesting era because um, ordinary people had to do
0: great and brave and dangerous
1: things that they had never been prepared for. So they were thrust into these situations where they had to face great dangers and great controversy. And how to make very difficult decisions. And I think that appeals to me because we are ordinary people, most of us. We'd like to imagine we'd be able to step up and handle the situations that they did in World War II. So I think those stories really appeal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I think because it's also so well documented with World War II, and there's so many there's so many like opportunities for stories there. And it's so fascinating that your family was so open with stories. Because I hear from many veteran families that a lot of them don't want to talk about it, but they seem awesome. to be so open with their storytelling.
1: I know, and that is very unusual. It is. But I think that was... My grandfather was one who always found hope and humor wherever he went. He he told jokes. And so most of his stories from World War II were funny. Okay. Now, some of them were rather harrowing, but he always managed to find the humor. And that was his way of dealing with what he had seen and, and went through, was finding the positive in it. And so, as opposed to most men who... By not talking about it, that was their way of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, both work for different types of people. But because that worked for my grandfather, I benefited. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm thankful
0: for that. (laughs) That's really, yeah, that's really special. And I bet it's really neat for your mom to be able to have the chance to read these stories that are inspired by her father.
1: Yes, actually, this is my dad's father.
0: Oh, your dad's father. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. but. They both enjoy it. And the funny thing is, my dad is, is not a romance reader, okay. <laughs> but he's read my books, which that means so much to me, mm-hmm. and um, it, it really delights me.
0: That's amazing. Well, and then adding the romance element into the story, was, was that always sort of important to you? Or were you kind of hoping just to tell these stories about characters and then add, because I think romance, what it does for oh, storytelling is so important because you see characters.
1: For me, I can watch pr- practically any movie or read any book as long as there's a romantic element. Yes. I'm always drawn to that love story. And so from the start, every, every, every story I've written has started mentally with a romance, and then everything else builds around it, so I can't imagine not writing a romance. Um, Maybe in the future, but but I—that's just where my stories go. That's where my my brain turns. I'm always looking for love, and, you know. With, with I'm happily married, though. I met you know in the world around me. And it's funny because I have um, a 25-year-old son who's who's still single, and every time I meet a young lady, it's like, so how old are you? i married. <laughs> I've got this great son. You really love to meet him. <laughs> You know what it's so
0: funny, like when I was first um I'm engaged now, but before uh before I met my fiance my I would always hope that my mom was like that to kind of try to to match make because I trust her taste, and I you know I think that that's really interesting that you try to find a love for your son as well. It's really sweet, it's funny so and
1: actually he's he's a quiet one so. He's like, Mom, have you, have you met anybody for me yet? you yeah. <laughs> so make it so much easier that it. way. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you got to get out there. And the irony is that his sister um, ended up marrying somebody that, uh, actually one of my oldest son's best friends, that I would have picked out for her. Because oh, I thought he was, he was just like the best young man. Yeah. But she was the one who would be the least likely to go with who I chose. So the irony is that I I end up choosing for the child that didn't want to have chosen for her. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes
0: they don't know what's best for them.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> So speaking of love,
0: um, you just started this new series, uh, Sunrise at Normandy, with The Sea Before Us, which has been um, a fresh pick on Fresh Fiction. I think we had it last week, maybe. Um, and it was also featured in our subscription box, which was really exciting. I know our review, our readers loved it. Um, can you tell uh, listeners a little bit about it?
1: Yes. The Sea Before Us is the first book in Sunrise at Normandy, and the series follows three brothers who are estranged, and they all fight on D-Day. Um, from the sea, the air, and the land. Oh, cool. And in the sea before us, he's the naval officer, and he's, he's an American. He has betrayed his brothers, not, not on purpose, but it, that's how it happened, and he um, is now in England, and he meets this British woman who is working as a Wren. This is the British uh, Women's Royal Naval Service, and so she's a naval officer herself, and they're working on plans for D-Day. And she's looking at photographs that people sent in. This happened. They actually sent in their photographs, and they used them to make maps and diagrams for the invasion of Normandy. And they meet, and things happen. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so making maps for Normandy, that's so interesting. That's something that you don't really think about.
1: Yeah, I i would read about it. They, The BBC had put, they were actually working with the Royal Navy, but they put out on the radio, we're having a photograph contest. Send in your best snapshots of the coast of France.
0: Hmm, tricky.
1: And this was actually a few years before, and they and they received over a million photographs and postcards and um, tourist maps, and they were able to use those to help make these diagrams. It was really very clever. Yeah. And so, and there's and the wrens helped sort them and document them. And so I thought that was a fun way, especially since my, my heroine, has an, Dorothy, has a, an artistic bent. So this is a way for her to use for her eye and her, um, her, her ability to draw, to, to use that for the war effort.
0: That is so... That's the thing I love about historical fiction is I learn so much about all of these different things that you would never even think about. That's so fascinating.
1: I know, and that's the fun part about writing it, is I'm constantly learning. And um, it's I learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. And it's great fun. Well,
0: and it's so cool, have you had a chance to go to either London or France to see the sites that you yes. write about?
1: Yes, I have, that was wonderful. And I've been there before, and um very thankful my husband um, used to fly in business, so we have frequent flyer miles. So we'd been there before, but the frequent flyer miles are gone now, but yeah. now I have <laughs> business expenses to use. <laughs> So um, we we went to London and Normandy just this past September, and oh, nice. um, uh, yeah, we did like a totally focused research trip. And <laughs> people are like, oh, we have to go someplace, I have to go this Like, I have eight days, I have a total list of where I'm going. <laughs> I've got to cover all three ser- all three books in the series. <laughs> My husband was such a trooper, and it was funny because we were um, we were in Normandy and we're on the beaches, and we're going, it was rainy and cold, and we're going down in the mud into these old German gun emplacements, and my husband's enjoying himself, you know, this is right up his alley. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him, I said, you know what, Dave? You should be really glad I'm not writing books set in prissy English tea rooms. Right. (laughs) And he looked at me and he goes, you could just see look on his face like, oh my goodness. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, she's writing man books, you know. <laughs> I'm tramping around through German gun batteries in Normandy. You know?
0: That's so in funny. the mud. <laughs> He's like, I love it. He's like, just give yeah. me the dirtiest I can possibly be. <laughs>
1: exactly. So yeah, we went to air museums and um, it was yeah, definitely had some man stuff going on. Oh, that's so <laughs> and funny. no tea rooms. We didn't do any tea rooms. No
0: tea, rooms. Oh, see he needs to have a tea. He needs to feel fancy I, at least I once.
1: Know. I know. I like tea. <laughs> I do too. I would
0: we um, we did a, a friend and book club trip in September to London and Scotland, and it was a combination of because we had men with us and and ladies with us as well, and so we had to do like a distillery tour for the guys and like a going through um, Edinburgh Castle and seeing all the armaments and everything, and then we had afternoon tea. <laughs>
1: oh, that's a, that's a nice balance. Yeah, I love Edinburgh. Oh, it was, was so was
0: fantastic. To-
1: yeah, I was actually able to feature Edinburgh in The Sea Before Us, there's a, a very romantic scene in Edinburgh, so that was
0: fun. Was That's so perfect. Yeah. yeah, Edinburgh is just so, Scotland itself is just like one of the most spectacular places I've ever seen.
1: Oh, I know. It's just so full of oh, personality characters.
0: Yeah. So And so many sheep.
1: <laughs> yeah, lots of
0: sheep, yeah. So many sheep.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to my kids there. 2009, so my daughter took, I don't know how many pictures of sheep she just <laughs> <laughs> like pictures of sheep, 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 not a sheep, or sheep. You know? That is
0: too funny. Did you guys have, were you driving around at all? Did you have a chance to get stopped by any of the sheep?
1: Um, in 2009, I think we did, yeah. Yeah. We did, but yeah, we, we had a great time that trip. That was fun. We were able to really go out in the countryside on that trip and the kids were just the right age where they were old enough to enjoy it and appreciate it so it was a fun trip. Yeah that's perfect.
0: So then you've got so after um now you're you've got two more in the series because you're just it's a trilogy um, what is the next story going to be is it coming out next year?
1: Yes The Sky Above Us okay. comes out in um, early 2019 and that'll be the um the next brother adler paxton who is a p-51 um, fighter pilot and he'll be flying over this, the beaches of normandy and, and he gets involved with violet lindstrom who is a um a red cross worker at his air base she runs the aero club on his air base and then the third book will come out in 2020 and he is an army ranger who's scaling the, the cliffs at point de. oak on Normandy.
0: Fantastic! Oh, I'm so excited. These sound is so fantastic. <laughs> I just love World War II because my father was a big buff as well, and I just remember always walking into his his uh in his man cave, and he had World War II oh, yeah. on History Channel on all the time. So it's just so it's just great to see it not with the violent guns, but to see it from a different perspective. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Sarah, one of the last things that we do um, on our Fresh Fiction podcast is we're very interested in knowing uh, what you're watching, what you're listening to, and what you're reading. Um, do okay. you? So, let's hear what you have been doing when you're not writing.
1: Okay, what I'm watching. Well, I, ironically, I don't really watch a lot of TV and stuff. My my husband controls the remote, and I work on. I sit next to him and work on stuff on my my laptop so I pretty much watch what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about <laughs> right <going> through, similar. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we've been going through Fraser reruns right now, which we are enjoying.
0: <laughs> nice. It's such a nice escape to watch Fraser. It oh, seems yeah. to be very popular again right now.
1: Yeah, it's, he, it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean clever. Uh, we really enjoy we we watched it, you know, back in the nineties and, and it's really fun going back to it. Um what I'm reading, I am I have a copy of Kathy Golke's until we find home that I've been carrying around with me for like three weeks, saying, I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I'm reading it, but all I've done is open it to the front first page. <laughs> 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 and then I'm also reading research books. I'm reading um, Anthony Beaver's D Day, appropriately. So um, I always have a fiction and a nonfiction going at the same time.
0: That's good. And what was the third one? Uh, what, what you're I listening heard? to. If it's an audiobook or music or a podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I don't do audiobooks. I, um, I tend when I read stories, I tend to like stop and like dream. You know, I you know, I let my mind wander. Mm-hmm. And when I sit with audiobooks, I have to like rewind and fight for it. It doesn't work really well for me. So, but anyway, I've been listening. I just listen to a lot of big band music, really. Um, I you know, Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman and the Andrews Sisters, and it just gets me um, in the right mood for writing in my era. Yeah, absolutely. I like yeah. My kids roll their eyes about my funky music, so but they're not home anymore, so they can't do that to me. Either. Exactly.
0: And you're too busy writing.
1: I'm too busy writing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's so but cool. I do miss
1: having somebody to embarrass.
0: Well, yeah. they still are around. You just have to concentrate the embarrassment when you have like a large enough audience.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah they're all they're all the closest are 400 miles away, so it's a little harder.
0: Oh, they are far away. Oh, Yeah,
1: I'm in Northern California, and two of them are in L.A., and then my youngest is in the Navy, and he's in Japan. Oh, wow. So he's really hard to embarrass.
0: Yeah, he's super hard to embarrass.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, wow. Well. I was able to send him a birthday cake with the USO to his, to his command, so that was really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: my mom used to do that when I was in college I went to college across country from her and uh, she would always send for my birthday like a cake and then cupcakes because she was like make sure you bring this to class and have all your friends eat it and I was like okay mom thank you and now I'm like so sweet at the time I was like I just want to fall into the ground and have it swallow my hole <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that was
1: my son the USO actually takes pictures when they deliver the cakes and he was beat red but he was grinning Aww, so. <laughs> that's so sweet <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that's awesome you sound like an amazing mom oh uh, i don't
1: know about that but thank you <laughs> <laughs> my kid's like let me call you and straighten you out <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's too funny
1: so sarah where
0: can listeners find out more information about you
1: Yes, my website um is Sundon dot com Sarah with an H at the end and then Sundin is S as in Sam U N D I N, and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest all under my name Sarah Sundin, and um, yeah, I'm I love to interact with readers online. So that's great. Cool. Yeah,
0: and they love. I know readers love interacting with authors. It's what's the coolest thing about technology now is everybody's within a fingertip of each other.
1: I know. I know. It's really. It's a lot of fun. Mhm.
0: It's distracting sometimes, but always fun.
1: (laughs) It is, it is. But I've met the most fascinating people since I've become an author. I mean, just not just fellow writers, but my readers. My readers are, like, most interesting people. They really are. They're just very, they have so many different interests, and, you know, they love history and reading and other things, too, and it's really great fun getting to know them. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's so sweet. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Our time is done. We were so quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) wonderful. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Sarah Sundin for joining me today. You can find The Sea Before Us anywhere books are sold. Thank you again to Ravel and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by FreshFiction.com to find out more about Sarah and other Ravel and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter by following at Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. Until next time, happy reading.